Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And I'm Beanzo. And there's nothing that says common ground and bringing people together quite like music, so that's what we're going to talk about today, and we've even brought fact checker extraordinaire in to have a conversation with us. So apparently it's working, and we're already coming together. See, yeah, it's already uniting us. No, I still hate him, but uh, but no, I am glad that you're here today, Minzo. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into the episode, we want to give a big thank you to all you guys for continuing to reach out to us on social media and through your emails. And we want to keep asking you guys to, uh, you know, hit us up with show ideas. I mean, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about mysteries. Today, we're talking about music. The door is open, my friends. We are willing to talk about anything and everything. Especially so. if you have Bigfoot sightings. I'd love to see the Bigfoot <laughs> sightings. Yes. Pictures. So, uh, Continue to send them in, and we promise we will do our best to work them into the the topics list and give you a shout out on the show if we use it. So, and when they screw it up, you get to hear me tear them down. Yes, yes, we always get to hear you tear people down, but not today. Today we're going to have a fun, cheery <laughs> conversation about music, and I think if we're going to start talking about music, we got to jump in the way way back machine and go back to the time of afros and bell bottoms. Well, that's too far. Uh, forward a little bit to the time of cassette tapes and record stores. <laughs> That's huh? right. And uh, actually backwards clothes. I think one of the first tapes <laughs> yeah. I had was a, a crisscross tape. Oh, My brother and I one. banging out. I missed the bus. Oh, <laughs> this is something I will never, ever, ever do again. You know, I think and we you probably... can't forget jump either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, that yeah. was their biggest Mac hit. Daddy make you jump. <laughs> All right. right. All right. Yeah. No. yeah. I think the other tape I had, I had like a Michael Jackson tape and a crisscross tape and my earliest memories are like only those two tapes kind of yeah. bouncing back and forth between them. No, you would have you would have a limited repertoire, especially that early. I remember all my tapes were like hand-me-down tapes. So my options were like uh, Hank Williams, a Coca-Cola promotional Christmas tape, <laughs> and Rush, who I hate. You know what I mean? But yeah, my mom gave me this Rush tape, and I was like, ah, this is awful, but you know, it's what I got. So, you know, I'd just play it, you know? I'll never forget my first tape. It was a cassette single of LL Cool J's, Mama Said Knock You Out. Nice. Now, for, the, for those that remember cassettes but don't remember exactly what cassette singles were, that's <laughs> what you got when you were too young to have money to buy the full album. <laughs> Your mom's <laughs> like, I spent $2. Yeah, and you're like, well, I guess I got to get this one song instead of the 15. <laughs> yeah. That's so, uh, yeah, that was my first tape period. My first full-length tape was MC Hammer. Oh, yeah. Mm. I had the Hammer tape, too. Yeah, that I remember hammer, that was important back then. I yeah. remember skating at the roller rink to MC Hammer, man. I'm that old. Yeah. <laughs> Were you wearing hammer pants while you did it? No, unfortunately, my mom would not <laughs> buy me the hammer pants. It was a little early for Jinkos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's funny though, because cassettes. They were kind of crappy, right? I mean, the sound was garbage. Not according you, to hipsters today. You, no, come on. <laughs> the sound was garbage. You had tape hiss. You know, yeah. you had to clean the heads on your tape, which yeah. you had to have a special tape for, or it was going to hiss even worse. You had tape that would, like, come out and unravel. You had to wind and, it up with the pencil <laughs> yeah, with and the everything. Pencil, yeah. You had to wind it up. Like, tapes were pretty bad. There were some... There were some redeeming qualities. No, I, I fondly remember like spending weekend nights, you know, sitting there waiting for certain songs to come on on the radio so I could perfect my perfect mixtape that I had in there. As soon as the song would come on, I'd be like, oh, record, got to have that one. Yeah. You, know? you remember putting tape over the tabs? 
if they were already popped out because there was a security feature. Yeah. There were little tabs on the tapes and you couldn't record over them if the tab was there. So you'd pop the tab. Oh, I just always used And then you'd tapes. just tape over the tab. Well, yeah, but, but, it. but, you know, doing what he's talking about, you could go get your parents' Simon and Garfunkel tape yeah. and tape over it with Stone Temple Pilots or something. Right. Oh, don't you know? do this now. Now I've got to be one of those hipsters and get back into tape technology. It was just, you know, back then. It was a different time. It was a different time. I mean, record stores, record stores were like, you know, it's kind of like we've seen the mall fade and, and the arcade fade. And now we're seeing the record store, you know, pretty much gone. Uh, but they were like, they were social centers. I mean, it wasn't just, yes, they had all the hard to find music that you weren't going to hear on the radio, but they also had all the cool posters, the cool stickers. You could hang out with your friends outside. Yeah, go to the listening station and pop in some music and see what you wanted to buy that day. Uh, go get imports at Disc Jockey, which imports were a big thing back then because you got to remember the internet wasn't, you know, what it is now, you know, so you'd get the the import version of the Nirvana single. You right. Know? I completely none of the believe other kids that you're had. the type of guy that got the import <laughs> version of the Nirvana single. I wasn't because I didn't have enough money because they were really expensive. But once the internet made it big, I had all the rare stuff. Yeah. Did you, any of you guys mess with Columbia House? Oh, my God. Columbia House. <laughs> I tried to. I, I, I really tried really hard to mess with Columbia House. It but makes my me parents wonder. Let me. Like people talk about the death of the record store and, and Napster and stuff. But Columbia House was like the original disruptor, right? You got <laughs> yeah. the flyer and it had all the CDs listed, hundreds of CDs, 15 CDs for a dollar or <laughs> yeah. 15 CDs for a penny. Yeah. And, and little kid you is just a 15. No, all at yeah. once. One, my mom can't say no to a penny. She <laughs> yeah. can't say there's no way. And you're circling all the ones you want. You give it to your mom. No, and you, and you no walk up with your own penny. You're like, look, I got it. It's <laughs> yeah. right here. You know, like order it. You for up, me. You become a salesman for them. You'd walk in there. You'd be like, hey, mom, not one, not two, but 15 CDs for just the cost of this penny. And then she'd look at the fine print and be like, <laughs> well, but then I'm on the hook for six more CDs every three months at twenty eight dollars a pop. Twenty eight ninety nine a pop. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And you've already picked out the 15 you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now you're getting like Gloria Steinfeld well, or something. Yeah. Like. And, all, and in your mind, you already have them. You've got the penny. All your mom has to do is pick up the phone and, and order them. They're oh, yours. Of course. Yeah. You know? and, and, and how many people did and then didn't pay for the. I, I, I had a huge charge from Columbia House once I turned 18 because I had filled out the paperwork. I did yeah. it. I never paid them for the other CDs. I'm sure it's still on my credit report somewhere. <laughs> I remember that was such a like a big moment. You know, like I said, when I was young, I would get the hand-me-down CDs. But when I started like picking my own music and stuff, like it really, I mean, it kicked things into high gear. You know, I was all over the place. I wanted some of this, some of that. I was, you know, heavy into alternative rock. Oh yeah, in the and 90s. It, it's funny you you mentioned that because my early days with music were all music that had been handed to me, like that Michael Jackson CD, yeah. the Crisscross. I have no idea how I got these things. And then I got some more tapes as, uh, as it went on, but it was never stuff that I went out and looked for. It wasn't till middle school till I really started vibing with people and, and talking about our interests that, that my own musical interests began to grow. Right. right Cause right. it was all this stuff that, that had been handed to me. I remember in middle school, a girlfriend gave me a cake CD Yeah, and it blew my mind wide open. But unless I get up, I mean, alternative rock was out there and stuff, but cake. This was yeah, this cake, was something, cake is something else. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's got the it's got the rock riffs, but 
the singer is not like any rock. You know, real clear and, and enunciates um, really awesome writing. Then you've got these beautiful horn riffs, like layered over top of this weird alternative rock. And, and the lyrics are sometimes silly, um, but the writing is really great. You know, good metaphors. All of a sudden, uh, he'll bring it home with a line that just hits you right in the face like a ton of bricks. I know one of my favorite songs, it's weird, weird, weird. Uh, he does this like spoken word piece about watching a bird falling from his window pane, falling, 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 and then takes off at the last second before he splatters on the ground, you know, yeah. spreads his wings. Like, it's just brilliant. You know? Yeah. Now, I remember, I remember, you know, mostly, mostly cake radio songs. I have listened to a few of the albums. Well, sure. And they come, came in with, uh, with a cover, you know, yeah. I Will Survive, yeah, yeah. which of course. But all the cake songs uh, were always so no, much fun. They, they came in with Go in the Distance, didn't they? I don't know if they, they were on the same album. I don't know okay. if. I think, I think the distance hit the was radio first. before I will survive. Y'all can but. feel free and fact check him because you know <laughs> we're gonna fact check the fact <laughs> checker. Trying to do it on He's the in the hot seat yeah. now. Um, See but what it, was, it feels like on this side of the mic. <laughs> it was kind of weird because we also, you know, the three of us kind of came of age as rap burst onto and exploded onto the scene and stuff. And for me, like you know, I think about <laughs> there's this album called Loud Rocks, right? And I've always liked like musical curiosities, musical covers and stuff like that. Well, this is the Wu-Tang Clan financed an album where they brought together a bunch of rap and a bunch of like hard hard rock and metal acts and had them do, you know, songs together and it's it's mostly covers of songs. And such but a perfect medley. It's so good and when I listen to it I'm like, man, there's there's high school for me. Like there's, you know, there's one track in particular, it's Rage Against the Machine. It's it's the band from Rage Against the Machine. With Wu Tang Clan doing Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with over top. Tiger and man, style, yeah, dude. You got Tiger style, and tiger then all of a sudden, style. The, the guitars kick in, the drums kick in, and it just rocks out. Tiger style. I'm like, yeah, that's me, man. That's what I was. I was trying to juggle them both, man. You know. Well, it's funny because I, I, I got into hip-hop kind of early. You know, I was into the, the BET, MTV, the Tupac, uh, the Wu-Tang and stuff. But it wasn't until a little bit later um, that, again, my mind kind of got blown. Someone introduced me to Jurassic 5. Yeah. And this was about the time Napster had come on the scene. So I start searching for, for J5 stuff, and all of a sudden I'm finding Common and I'm finding Black Star, and I'm finding Talib Kweli, and it's like it's like an explosion into a new realm. I'm like, yeah. I didn't know hip hop could sound like this. Well, that's that's partly like what Napster did, right? It freed everything up, you know, for all the the ills that get launched at file sharing, you know, on from one perspective. One of the things that it definitively did was it gave us access to music that we wouldn't have otherwise heard. And I mean, you look at in particular underground rap in like the late nineties and the early two thousands, we're talking about nonfiction and, you know, exactly. Yeah. The arsonists. Yeah. That wasn't ever going to be on MTV ever. So, I mean, that was one of the things that Napster and file sharing and, well, and, and they knew it too. So they could say whatever they wanted to. Yeah. 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 And this period of music for me in, in a micro and the world in a macro is really interesting. Because not only were my influences and my tastes changing, but the world of music itself was like in this weird state of flux, right? Mm -hmm. We had we had passed up old and 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 
big kind of crappy cassettes. Now we've got these shiny new discs. We've yeah. got CDs. They hold more songs. It's better quality. There's no hiss behind it. But we lose the Walkman, right? They give us a Discman <laughs> now. Now we've got a Discman that doesn't fit in our pockets, unless you're rocking Jinkos, unless I guess. Unless you have them Jinkos. And then, okay, so they add a clip on it. You clip it on your belt. You take off jogging. What happened? <laughs> and your song's skipping no discmans were absolute trash it was it was almost worthless right so while we were taking music technology to a point of what we what we saw was improvement there was this huge blind spot and Mm -hmm. they tried to add in things like buffering so you know you could walk for seven seconds without your song skipping you you, you paid 10 seconds you paid a lot of extra money for a feature that might have made the skipping a little bit not as it bad. D- it didn't really work. And don't get me wrong. No, no, it could work. You just had to look like a complete dork. If you were willing <laughs> to hold your discman out in front of you completely level on one hand, you could get by. Right. You know? <laughs> ain't nobody look cool like that. That's right. So so technology takes another leap. And, and with the advent of, I guess, MP3 compression technology, which allowed songs to become small and yeah. easy to download on really slow internet connections, um, some enterprising entrepreneur was out there was like, hey, MP3 player, guys. Yeah. So now we've got good song quality on a device that is truly portable and a way to grab that music that doesn't involve going down to the record store, you know, asking your mom to drive. You're and sitting spending in your money. You got, you got money. it for free. There and, you go. And the other thing about MP3s is that now you have this CD. Before, this CD would only hold, at max, maybe 18 songs. Mm-hmm. Now this CD will hold several hundred songs. Yeah, your device has 100 songs on it. No joke. It was, uh, yeah. it was really sweet. It was revolutionary. Well, it, you do have to say, though, one of the things that we lost was we lost the album. Right? I was going to say. So you started seeing the, de- like, you, you you didn't see anything like the White Album after that because you couldn't be sure that anybody was going to listen to all, you know, 12 or 18 tracks. That's right. There is no Sgt. Peppers in the digital MP3 world. You, you know? went out and you found your 100 favorite songs. It didn't matter what order they were. Maybe you put them in your own special order. A lot of yeah. times I had my own, you know, my own playlists and stuff. But we lost the album. It just, it disappeared almost overnight. Um and it and it happened because we changed the way we were consuming music. And it, yeah. I think it's just funny to look back on those things like no one could have foreseen any of these things as they came. Right. You know? Right. And now here we are, music is is com- shaped completely differently. Um, but it's still just as powerful. You know, well, I don't I think, think it's I don't think we've lost anything along the way. Well, I mean, you you've lost some things, you've gained in others. I mean, mm. it's it's the same as like just about any technological advancement, you know. I think there are weird little vestiges of that switchover. So, for instance, if we're looking at a period from 1998 to about 2004, I almost can't tell you the name of a single hip-hop track because it's all on mixed CDs. Yeah. And I didn't have anything to just, like, look at the name, You didn't have an insert. But but I have it on the CD, so I never had to go, you know, at the time, I never had to go and, like, look it up. So then as we come to the world of Pandora and Spotify, I'm like, oh, I I don't know what that song's called. (laughs) You know? I'd like to listen to it. You know, one one beautiful example is there is a song by Atmosphere. And my entire life, I thought it was called The List. 
fives, six. It's sick of kids. It's Christian conservative terrorists. It's porno flicks. It's the- <laughs> right, because that's what he does. He goes through and he lists things, and it's oh, it's such the a brilliant The list goes song. on and on and yeah. on and on. And, and just and the imagery is he loops all these random things together. Oral sex and smoker's breath. You know? It stretches for as far as the eye can see. It's reality. Absolutely love that song. It's everything but me. You know, funny story about that song and Napster, actually. I think I found that song when I was looking for a completely unrelated, like a a Tupac song, probably Dear Mama or something. And it was that song instead. No, it was mislabeled. It was mislabeled because that was a technique back in Napster days. You know, you're an up and coming rapper. You label your song as uh, as someone else or you put like featuring Nas in it. (laughs) So it comes up in searches. And all of a sudden, you found a new fan. And that was one of those songs. And it's funny because I think without that song specifically, um, but larger, without atmosphere, I don't think I would have gone through a rap phase. I don't yeah. think I would have thought that I could become a rapper. Yeah. And it, and if you didn't, then I know I wouldn't have. And there's a few more of us that wouldn't have. And then there would have been no placated forms and no, no art of covenant. covenant. <laughs> so before on the show, actually in the very first episode, we mentioned that we were two washed up rappers. Well, today actually we are three washed up rappers because all three of us were member members of the legendary Central <laughs> Kentucky hip hop group, Placated Forms, that Absolutely. went on to form Art of Covenant. Uh, and it, it was a garage band. I think I think lots of people who love music. Um, you know, grow up a little bit halfway and decide, hey, let's let's start a band. Yeah, and this was our version of, hey, let's start a band. Yeah, if you, yeah, it's gone were the days of, you know, everybody had to have a guitar and everything. Like we said, we walked in two worlds, and it's just as much a garage band as anybody else. But we we all got hardcore into hip hop. I remember swapping CDs. I remember. Um, us sitting around and and writing verses and like oh, yeah. and pushing each other and you know there'd just be these big collaborative yeah, and, sessions and and like you said you didn't need guitars and drums and amps like no we just jacked beats off Napster well, we yeah. we were nerds so we had computers anyway right yeah and that's yeah. all you needed was computers and a microphone that's you it know? you needed a computer we had and the a computer mic. so we'd go buy a forty dollar mic and if even that yeah. I think our first mic was like. Like uh, one of those stand up Logitech yeah. like junky. I remember a computer mic strung over a chandelier Absolutely. in a room with no soundproofing <laughs> and a train in the background. And, and the room was slanted. And the room no was and the room slanted. was hard slanted. And that carpet was disgusting. I don't know how you slept there, Beans. Anyway, we were computer nerds and and we had the software. Yeah. To record, so so we did, yeah. and it was great. It was like a way to release all the teenage angst and anger that had been building up for years. Um, a way to express all of these political ideas that I was having. The barrel was still a touch hot. Trained to put a bullet where it's fucking up your mugshot. They shooting white people, black people, brown people, more people. Mostly they just shooting up the poor people. that you know my young mind was struggling to deal with. Um, it was a release. And it was fun, uh, and it was, and it it was, was beautiful. Blast. It was also just something we did. You know, people hang out, they play board games, people hang out, they play video games, they're watching movies. Sometimes we'll hang out, we'll make a hip-hop track, you know, it's just yeah. kind of the way it was. It was never really serious. Yeah. We I, always yeah. played it loose and had fun doing it. And I don't think we ever actually released a full-length album the no. entire time. No, not really. You did. You were the only person that <laughs> released of. an album. Yeah. Sort yeah. of. But no, it was, it, was, it was great fun. I remember for me, like, each verse was like, it was almost like a puzzle, right? That's that's kind of the way, that's why I got into, 
you know, most deaf and, and Quasar and all them cats because I, I found out that you could do these crazy things with language. And and yeah, I could sit there at the same time. I remember I remember when my daughter was born, I actually I wrote uh, it was the only solo track I wrote the entire time. It was called Wake Up. And I had a job at Amazon at the time that I absolutely hated. And so my daughter had just been born and I had two weeks off and, you know, I'm taking care of the baby and all that good stuff, had some time to kill. And I sat there and I wrote, wake up. So I wake up to the cold gray of dawn, reach for the camels and greet the world with the yawn. The day ahead ain't looking better than the last, but I never lived for the future. So why great with the past? I break with the fast. Slice of toast, no J in the glass. Let me, like, I remember as I was writing the song, I was like... Dude, you got to stop working at Amazon, man. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's getting you, man. But that, and when I got it together, you know, I felt so proud of that. Like to be able to put my feelings on paper like that and just put it out there and let, you know, and let the had world hear it. had a video for it, too, if I recall. It had a really crappy video for it that was shot like eight years later, and we're not going to drop the link to that. Thanks for reminding him. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you could uh, search it up on YouTube, guys, oh, if no, you, you can't. really want to. Is SoundClick still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> simmer down now simmer down <laughs> now but seriously the other aspect of of making hip-hop music that was really cool to me was just to beat up a track man yeah there's nothing like just raging all over a beat yeah. you know just 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 letting all your anger out and and telling everyone how you will just destroy them and yeah. rip them apart, yeah. and, you know, and, and, lyrically in the in the most lyrically complex way you could you could piece together on the page. Like I, I remember, it was a pride to me to have like four or five different rhyme schemes going in in concurrent lines right. over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And you're like, you know, y'all can't mess with me. That's that was, <laughs> you know, like that. That's just the the you know the way you feel when you do hip hop. Pockets deep, cause I got fucking holes in them. I got a deadly bite acting with that slow venom. Bring them over now, there's nothing but my flows in it. The box is open and there ain't no fucking clothes in it. I got a bag and I keep all of my souls in it. It ain't the rest of y'all, cause I'm the soul center. Tombstone juice box, eat a full dinner. Though I'm hungry, doesn't make my flows fly. And it's, it's part of the, you know, I think part of the allure, we'd be, I think we'd be lying. If we didn't say like every other garage band, there was like that little, you kind of want to be a rock star. You oh, kinda, sure. You want to be up on stage and you want to be the center of attention and everything. It, it never, I, I can honestly say like, you know, upon reflection, it never really like dominated us. Like that, that portion of ego. Now, you know, there were some egos at times. Over <laughs> there certain, were definitely some Certain battles. beat choices and stuff like that. But, <laughs> but you know. But it never. It was hey, you want to get back in the booth and record that line again? I, yeah. Hey, no hey, one one more time. Hey, 10, 10, 20, 10, 30, 10, 20 more times. 40 more times, man. But but we always had fun with it. And I remember actually one of the biggest joys of the entire time that we did music was you had a verse in particular that had a lot of L's in it. Yeah. And like it had all these words in it. It was like a nine millimeter, nickel plated, you know, all these all these other words that had L's in it. And so when we get up on stage, we had to back you up. We had a W, right? Punch your lines. And we would change all the L's to R's to see if we could screw you up during the song on stage. And I remember like I remember you killing the verse because it was one of your better verses. 
but that you was always... one of our biggest shows too. There's like 150 people no, in the did, crowd. We did it at a few shows, but you would you would you would sit there and look at us like so angry, and then but it would make you rap harder, which was great. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the thing. If you had something in your verse that was that was wonky or something, someone would bust you on it. Like, yeah. like oh, they like sure crack would. On, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, there was nothing like those times, man. There was yeah. nothing like those. No, I absolutely, times. I enjoyed them. I, I tell you the truth, the shows. Um, I could take them or leave them because I've never really been a fan of concerts. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's weird because some of my fondest memories took place at concerts, but the the concert world in music is weird. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. If I walked up to you and I was like, hey, I'd like for you to pay an arm and a leg to go either stand out under the sun all day or stand in a dark, dingy room shoulder to shoulder with all these other humans who are bumping into you and knocking your drink into you. To and then, listen to your favorite band sound not as good as they do not, on the album. Not as good. Cranked up as high as it can possibly go, but you can't hear the lead singer, you know what I mean? Just blasting in your face. Concerts are... At times they can be a joy, but largely they're trash. Yeah, it's generally a hard pass you're, you're, for you're, me. You're, especially your beer when you put costs it like four that. times what it costs on the street. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my uh, my earliest memory of a concert was uh, was a Bush concert back in my alternative rock days, um, and it was great. Uh, it was great. I don't know, a bunch of people bouncing up and down. I think someone passed me a joint. You know, I'm like 15 yeah. years old, 14 years old. This is great. It well, that the right there thing. launches it up to the stratosphere. <laughs> I know, yeah. man. Me, personally, I didn't actually go to an arena concert until I was much older. What I always did was go to local punk rock shows that would mm. be hidden at oh, some yeah. garage, you know, somewhere in the industrial part of town, and you had to know about it or get the flyer. And see, I wasn't cool enough to be invited to those. That's that's concerts on well, another level. Actually, man. coincidentally, one of my favorite AOC shows was in the basement of that house. Remember that, that? was a, yeah, a little oh, later on. Yeah. We Remember, absolutely and, uh, what did. Was it? Uh, one of us parties. was like jumping up and down, all excited about the song, and hit their head on the ceiling because <laughs> the basement the ceiling. And then was someone else out. threw a beer and. Things almost got rowdy. Oh, different house party. A, different house party. Rumor yeah, of a no, gun in the front happen. seat. And, yeah, yeah, that was that was a crazy night. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that that might be a bit of an understatement, but I think I think what what we've clearly shown here is that music has a, a much stronger you know impact with us at least. You know, I mean, you know, some people it does, some people it don't, but we are those people who it just it it really becomes a big part of your life. And I think, like we said, that happens to everybody to an extent. When you're when you're like a teenager and you're first like forming your identity, there's music is like just right there for you to latch on to and help kind of start to build yourself and construct who you are. It's funny because in those formative years, there was a point, a period of, of five, six, seven, eight years where music was like magical to me. Yeah. You know, a song would come on at the right time in the right place and it just felt like magic it felt like all the pieces were in place and, and maybe i was smoking pot i don't know you know maybe it has something to do with the drugs we were all doing back then maybe so but i, I like to think that that that's not it alone um well, there's and, that, and after you have the, that moment with that song that you're describing whenever you hear that song from there on out it reminds you of that moment when that magic happened with mm. yeah it's always and it's so strongly identified with that day you can hear you can hear like the first notes of an Outcast song and be like, "Well, you know, on that day." Funny you mentioned Outcast because yeah. Aquemini is one of those 
one of those albums, one of those pieces of music that will invariably draw me back to driving around in high school on a country road, getting baked out of my gourd, yeah. you know, while blasting Outcast at at eleven, like yeah. no kidding. Uh, and and some something about Outcast was was different, right? I mean, there was gangster rap, um, and you had your your north and your south and your east and west and well, and Outcast was like this new Southern sound that yeah. that no one was doing, yeah. and they managed to blend what what was sometimes I would consider vapid, uh, you know, vapid gangster rap that's all money, cars, and clothes, and then you've got Andre who comes in with this super poetic, like deep approach to it, and somehow um, he's always off beat but on beat. Somehow you know he's I mean? always <laughs> yeah. off beat. But on beat with these incredibly rapid fire lyrical deliveries that like you don't even catch until the twelfth time around. Yeah. And 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 it's one of those things like I go back to Outcast to this day. It's one of those albums I will put on on a Sunday morning. Uh, while I'm cooking in the kitchen, listen to it all the way through and just reminisce about high school, man. Yeah. I mean, we must have played that album 60,000 times. Uh, yeah. More like 100,000. Yeah. May, maybe pushing a million. I mean, it, and was, that's, it was on repeat. And that's the thing. Like, when you when you really get into music, like, the, the power of music can be all-consuming like that. It can, it can take you back, transport you to a different time. Sometimes it can, you know, it, it's... <laughs> Sometimes it can have a really strong effect, especially if you have partaken or are under the influence. <laughs> I know I can remember uh, the first time that I did the, I guess it's sort of a rite of passage of dropping a little acid and watching the wall. Oh, yeah. And, man, that that affected me very strongly for a long time. You know what I mean? I can, <laughs> I can still remember listening. Every time I hear Comfortably Numb. I, I start thinking about acid. I start thinking about that period of my life, you know, and, it, and it's and it's it can evoke, you know, emotions and responses in you that you, you're not even necessarily prepared for that day just by a song happening. Well, it's long. it's funny you mentioned that because when I took that rite of passage myself, I remember I was riding around in a car out in the country with my cousin and we were listening to Dark Side of the Moon and that album forever had a special place in my heart and certain memories associated with it. Yeah, and 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 I know it's not just drugs because to this day I'm one of those people that a certain song, a certain note, a certain lyric underneath that note gives me literal shivers. It's yeah. still very much magical to me. Like like th there are, there are bands and groups that that do this. I, I don't have control over my own body, right? Yeah. It's like it's something they've done to me. I've turned it on, and now my body's not even mine to control. Like. And, and I'm not sure everyone's like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think they are. I've actually, I've had this discussion with friends, and and you know, a perfect example of what you're talking about. Uh, there's a band called the Mountain Goats, and they have a song that's called No Children. And every time, especially because of when I heard that song, you know, in my life, and everything, every time I hear that song, the hairs literally raise on my arm, and you know, it, it reached me at such a a, a dark point in my life that it's kind of always associated with that, but I also think it's strange how it helped me through that because that's that's another thing that's interesting about music. Oftentimes, you know, for instance, I have a feel-good playlist, right? But sure enough, right there on my feel-good playlist is this Mountain Goat song, No Children. 
And it's such a dark song, you know. He's he's saying some really dark lines like throughout the song. And it's, it's just a it's just a two minute little ditty. It's a guy and a guitar. I am drowning. There is no sign of land. You are coming down with me, hand in unlovable hand, and I hope you die. But at the same time, somehow knowing that he had felt something that I was feeling. So, you know, so, or at least feeling like he understood what I was feeling and what I was going through, um, helped me through in a way that not even telling my closest friends can. Yeah, you know, and, it, and it's, it's funny because it's kind of beast. it's not just wallowing in it at that point. You know, it's you're not, not just yeah. wallowing in the sadness. It's it's the recognition that at your loneliest point, you're not that alone. Right. You, right. You know, here I am at at rock bottom, but he gets it. Yeah. And I know he gets it because I can feel it. Yeah, and it kind of, you know, not to not to get too wild with it, but I mean, it really, it's one of those unifying factors for the human family, you know? Mm. It, it lets you know that, you know, like you said, there are others out there who know exactly what it's like. And so, yeah, when I listen to it again, it's, it's, not, it's not torture. It's, you know, say that feeling, that same type of feeling or something like it rose up in me again. Listening to that song helps me say, Hey man, that's that's that feeling, and you're gonna get through this mm. because you got through it before, and he got through it before, and you guys can talk about it, and then go to the next day. You know what I mean? Well, as I think was already mentioned before, I was somewhat of a punk rocker when I was younger. You know, mainly in mm. middle school and high school, and uh, for me, like you know, it was uh, you know an expression of all the rage and teenage angst I was feeling. You know. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, this one album, uh, it was by a band called Rancid, it was called Let's Go. There was this one song called Radio. When I got the music, well, I got a place to go. Radio Clash, Magnificent Seven, well as a choir voice, show me no heaven. In the song, he says, you know, when I got the music, I got a place to go. Mm. So like, that just resonated with me and you know i just latched onto that album because it's like no like you said like there are other people that feel the same way like this is here for you and you know use it for comfort and especially punk as a teenager i don't think there is any other music that is more just perfectly teenage (laughs) than punk and that's not to say i still listen to punk today yeah you know, but it's just all the all the trappings of punk perfectly captured. Exactly it's the, it's the embodiment of rebelliousness. <laughs> yeah, you know, man. when you go through your rebellious phase, do you almost do you almost feel like a bastard like listening to punk now because you're not smashing beer bottles against the wall and like running down? I, I sell do, out. I do a little bit. <laughs> sell like, out. It's hard not to think about that. The last scene from SLC Punk. Every time I listen to some punk music now, yeah, <laughs> we'll call it a guilty pleasure. You know, I'm, yeah. I might not drive down the street, you know, blasting uh, the dwarves at you know <laughs> yeah. full volume, but you know. I'm alone on occasion. I might listen to me some punk rock, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I still, I still love it. And I, I think, you know, another thing that, you know, maybe we're we're underselling. See, I think, I think that's the difference between. I think a lot of people, um, like to to listen to music just to have a good time and to and to, and to bounce or or you know, may, and not to say they don't listen to the sad songs and they enjoy the sad songs, but that's what it is. It's like it's in the moment. It's very present. Whereas we have this tendency to attach all these things to it. And like I said, I've been, you know, I've been described as a music snob over and over, 
but it's you know i i don't want to come off that way you know it's there's nothing wrong with not having like some deep searing connection to the music you no, know but I mean? at Just the same time man it. real recognize real right <laughs> yeah, that's like at, at some point there's there's crap yeah and there's good music <laughs> yeah and, and no and that's and that's what like i have to be very particular about that because i am somebody who's that invested in the music no i'm not gonna sit there and like listen to some shit that i don't want to hear you yeah. know what i mean you know, i feel like that too but then sometimes i'm like am i, am I just getting old and jaded or something yeah. like yeah. you know like i don't uh, my think music was the good music what is this yeah. nonsense, the fact that we're like, all you know we're pushing 40 now yeah we're definitely old and jaded man i think well but see on on, on the flip side though i would say that as i've gotten older if anything i my musical tastes have widened They've they've become much more rich and kind. Of, yes, I have my nostalgic stuff that I like, but I'm much more willing to um enter I, to entertain new things in a different way than I was when I was a kid. It was very hipster, right? Like if I was willing to listen to some uh you know country music song or some you know folk song or something like that, it's because I wanted to be the first one to bring it back to the group right. if it was good. Right now, I actually like I want to hear that. Like, what's going on with that? You well, know, it's what funny because I mean? as I've gotten older. You know, I've gone back way, way, way back to music I never got exposed to as a kid. Um, I've been going back to the 50s and the 60s and the right. 70s. And, and, you know, Nina Simone was something somehow I missed, right? Yeah, yeah. Birds flying high. Yes, I know exactly how you feel, Nina Simone. Where have you been all my life? It's a new life for me. Yeah, it's a new dawn. It's a new day. New life for me. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I'm feeling good. This this was a an era of music that, that opened up to me as an adult. Um that that was just a blind spot in the past. You know, you got your Ella Fitzgeralds, your Louis Louis Armstrong, and of course right. these are the greats. Everyone knows about them. Oh, yeah. How did I miss them? Benny right? Goodman, yeah, no, they're all but, great. But somehow you know, in my adult age, I recognize this blind spot, and and God bless that I don't have to go down to a music store and like <laughs> bullshit with some clerk about yeah. you know 1950s music because yeah. I just go on YouTube. I'm like 1950s playlist. Oh, that sounds great. You oh, know? it's it's amazing what you can you can find Lead Belly yeah. on the internet now. I mean, think about Classic. that. Man. You can find recordings from Angola prison in the 1930s. Nowadays. Speaking of punk, there's a great punk band, Lenny and the Piss Poor Boys, which you'll never find their albums. I think the bassist is dead, the band is defunct. They're all there on YouTube. Yeah. And it's great. And that that's that's like at punk I never got into as a kid. But for some reason, as as an older guy, you know, I'm not angsty anymore. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. not rebellious anymore. Like why why is it that I'm drawn to this incredibly gutter punk rock well it, it's funny because you know i went kind of from punk rock to hip-hop and you know you're talking about how your musical tastes evolve as you get older when i was like an early adult i went from punk rock hardcore punk rock and hardcore hip-hop underground music to i kind of got into the grateful dead mm, which yeah. is a completely different genre that you wouldn't think someone that listened to punk rock would ever <laughs> yeah. like you know right? some hippie music oh what and, a hippie you know, you you, you got to give them credit. You know, they've one of the longest touring bands ever, and the band still tours with the people that are left alive, you know. And there's this one song that holds a real special place in my heart called uh, Box of Rain. 
and it's like, you know, it's my song that I go to when I've had a bad day. I just want a song that's going to comfort me and, and lift my spirits. You know, it's it's a phenomenal song. No, that was one of the things that the, the Grateful Dead have a, a special knack for doing, in my opinion, at least when I listen to Grateful Dead, is, is not only does it, it let you mellow out, but it's, you know, oftentimes it's hard to not catch yourself smiling. My mom was actually a Grateful Dead fan uh, back in the 60s and would drive a van around, uh, you know, and follow them around the country doing who knows what. Yeah. I won't ask her. I won't air her dirty laundry here, even <laughs> if I knew. Uh, but I remember finding uh, my, my parents' record player one day and going through records, and I came across the Grateful Dead album with the ice cream cone turned over top of the dude's head. That would be Europe 72. Europe 72. Oh, and all what over. what a brilliant record. I mean, I just remember being flabbergasted in awe that music could sound like this because yeah. up until that point, I hadn't heard music that sounded like that. I'm yeah. like, Mom, where have you been hiding this my whole life? Yeah. You know, what's going on? And that, that's one of the interesting things, I think, as we get older. So, you know, obviously, when I was growing up, a lot of country, right? And then also, too, my mom had, you know, a lot of records that she listened to from, uh, you know, when she was younger, a teenager and stuff. And so I kind of like, you know, I rebelled against that. Right. Obviously, I rejected that. And now it's one of my happiest things in life is that my we still have all my mom's records and I'm giving them to my daughter. That's funny. And because, she's starting to play them. Because I try to introduce my kids to all of the great music. I'm an encyclopedia of yeah. awesome music and and just about every day you know i put on some music that that holds special importance to me and they shit all, all over it yeah. over <laughs> it yeah. all over it every time it doesn't matter i've even come up with songs that i, I like like my daughter is into this real moody edgy rock and i'm like yeah. oh that sounds kind of like portishead portishead one of the all-time yeah. greats right yeah. so we're driving home from uh, uh from the amusement park and I put on Portishead thinking, oh, she's going to love this. And of yeah. course, she's like, Dad, this sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, if this had come on on your Pandora playlist, this would have been your new favorite well, song. Well, what will happen, though, is years down the road when she's trolling through the attic for treasures or something, she'll find a spindle of CDs uh -huh. from 2005 <laughs> yeah. and be like, gee, I wonder what's on all these and start throwing them in there. And she might hate 70% of it, but there might be 30% of it that just from that point on, holds a special place in her heart. Well, that's you know? my hope, is that that same thing that happened to Theory, you yeah. know, it, it happens to her, it happens to my it happened kids to me. when they grow up, and they and they realize, like, oh, wow, this is I'm actually here, I'm here to really good. Guys, we're actually, all right, we're already kind of turning the corner. Here's here's what happened. The entire time she's been growing up, I, ever, I only ever got her to, like, two songs that I played for. One was by a band called uh, Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band, uh -huh. and the other Great is band. Calm Like a Bomb. From Rage Against the Machine. Nice. Now, those were kind of our things, and it's cool that I can rock out to call them like a mom with my daughter. But other than that, she shit on everything, right? So then, actually, very recently, like two months ago, she comes up to me, and she's like, 
have you ever heard this song, Take On Me, by Aha? And I was like, I love that song. I was like, man, sometimes I'd be drinking. Well, you don't need to know that. But anyway, no, that song's great. And so I'm starting to find these little inroads. Next thing I know, she's listening to Queen, and I'm really glad that movie came out because that helped along with that. Now I got her listening to Maggie by Rod Stewart. Like, we're starting (laughs) to pick up steam, you know? It's great. But I I also, I, I learned that, like, even that's what she's going through. And I think that's what we all went through is that you reject those things. But as you get older, you learn to appreciate different things mm. about music. For instance, I went through a new metal phase, right? Corn, all that good sure. stuff. Now there are times where I will pop that in nowadays for pure nostalgia, but I recognize that's all it is. Yeah. It's pure. <laughs> yeah. nostalgia. There's nothing super special it about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I don't feel as connected to it as I used to. Meanwhile, Something that I would have absolutely shit on back in the day, which is, you know, the Highwaymen, uh, which is now one of my favorite groups. You know, I went through this whole thing where I fell in love with Johnny Cash. My grandpa tried to get me to listen to Johnny Cash for I don't know how long. But I listened to the Highwaymen do like a cover of uh, Robert Earl King's The Road Goes On Forever. And I can identify something in it that I never could have back then. Back then, I thought the highwaymen were so square, you know, and all that stuff. But when I listen to The Road Goes On Forever. washed up country. Dude, The Road Goes On Forever is punk as fuck. If you listen to that song, you've got two people. you got, uh, was it, Sherry and Johnny? And, and they're just nihilistic as hell. Ain't got a plan in the world. They're driving down to Miami, got a hotel on the water and a quart of Bombay gin, not giving a damn. Water and a quart of Bombay gin. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Yeah. Right, man. So you, you find yourself finding new things, new nuggets that you never would have even seen in years ago. Right, like if you didn't have the context of, of punk rock right. to balance against this country song, you never would have seen the, the beauty in it, right? Yeah, the, right. The, the crossing of the genres. Yeah, and I, some days, like now, that's one of my one of my biggies. Like, if I'm having a bad day, I throw that puppy on and I think about, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to go home. I'm just going to cut it left. Head on down to Miami Beach. You know what I mean? Well, and I think I think we have a tendency as we get old to get bitter about things like that, like our kids not liking our music. Yeah. But I think that's the trap. I think, you know, when we talk about the magic of music and and being in that moment and the puzzle piece fitting, like, of course, our puzzle piece is not going to fit for the new generation, right, right? Right, They need their own puzzle pieces and they create their own magic with it. And, and when they're 40... It's going to be some stupid Drake song yeah. that they come back to, right? Yeah, and yeah. they're going to see the beauty in it and the moment in it um, that unlocked the magic for them wherever they were. I yeah. think the key is just not its not being bitter about it. You just say, ah, it's okay. Well, but that is one of the struggles, right? Like, I mean, when I listen to the radio now, I mean, as much as when I was younger, I told myself that I wasn't going to be that way. I wasn't going to be like my mom and my grandparents saying, that, that junk on the radio, all that yelling and racket. <laughs> But now I listen to music on the radio, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell this is or how to build a connection with it. You know, and I think, you know, part of it is, you know, probably a little cheaper to pay some no-talent nobody off the streets than it is to, you know, pay a band that actually is, like, really invested in the music and 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 works really hard to write the stuff that they write. But I don't think that's new. I mean, I think... You had talent scouts all over looking for some no-name, easy-to-package group that was just barely passable on their guitars that yeah. they could pay, you know, pay next to nothing to dress up 
and and put on a Hollywood video and make or a hell, million dollars. The, the like, monkeys, they just straight up faked it. No, no, granted, come to find out, the monkeys, there were members of the monkeys who actually had musical talent <laughs> that was suppressed because they were looking for something easy to pass. Right, and, but and I, I think they eventually all learned how to play their instruments yeah, very well yeah. and redeem themselves in that fashion. But it was a, a put together band that was. My point is though, is, yeah. is that I don't think that's new. I think I think that's what commercialism does to music, right? Commercialism right. tries to look at a demographic and distill the magic into a nice packaged bottle that they know is going to sell to a certain percentage of them. And that's never going to go away. Yeah. I mean, as long as we're selling music, that's going to be the case. Um, I think what makes it a little bit different though, I think the reason that it feels more pronounced, I will freely admit that we are becoming old curmudgeons, right? But there is something a little bit different. Okay. Pre Napster, pre file sharing, pre wherever we're at with digital music and the way that it's, you know, no more albums and stuff. You had rock stars. You had moments that everybody was in some way, shape, or form forced to deal with. Mm. You had Nirvana coming through and completely turning rock upside down. You could down. not ignore Nirvana. Yeah, you could not ignore Nirvana. Now, you might have hated it, but you had to deal with it and everybody knew it was happening, right? Now, with music so decentralized, it's great, right? Because, like I said, we get to hear music that we would have never heard before. But we don't have those giant cultural moments that can sometimes put us back on the right path. Mm. So what we're seeing now is raw, naked commercialization. Ah, I, I think, mean, I, I, you know I, think what I, mean? I see what you're getting That's at. That's what I it agree is. 100%. And, and the music lives on outside yeah. of that siloed commercial effort. Like, we turn on the radio when we're in our car. You yeah. know what I'm saying? If you're at home listening, you're on Pandora, yeah. you're on YouTube, you're on you're, you're on this thing that transcends radio, where you have a choice in what you right. listen to. The, the radio as a silo for commercialization is very much fading, but it's there. It's just separate from the rest of the landscape. Yeah. It's great because you've got people that, that come into existence and popularity completely outside of the normal channels, right? right? I think Tyler Childers is a perfect example of this. In a world where country music is, I would say, dying. Oh, um, it's, it's pretty Super hyper-commercialized. You've got this hip-hop stuff that they're trying to remain relevant by blending the most popular form of music, yeah. hip-hop, into country where it yeah. really doesn't fit and ends up sounding terrible. Outside of this landscape, you've got artists that start to emerge and make bubbles. On social media, you know, on mm -hmm. on Facebook, on Twitter, you're seeing people go, Tyler Childers, Shaky Graves, and you go on YouTube, and there's a wealth of music, right, just out there, not albums. You know, I, my favorite, uh, Tyler Childers did a Red Barn Radio series, which is an NPR show, um, and did an entire concert. The entire thing is released on YouTube. And it is like the most staggeringly beautiful example of modern country. Oh, it's fantastic. And and you'll never hear it on the radio. That's true. Yeah. Here I am saying you'll never you'll never hear it on the radio. But I yeah. did. We were coming home from the creek, um, getting done with a beautiful fishing trip, and and this song comes on NPR. And I think it was the Red Barn Radio Show, yeah, exactly actually. Yeah. yeah. Um and 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 it caused me to go look, and what do I find out? Holy crap, there's a revival of country music going on behind the scenes mm -hmm. that that has totally escaped the grasp of of mainstream media. And and I remember typing out a Facebook post 
If any of you assholes out there in Facebook land know who Tyler Childers is and haven't told me yet, like we're <laughs> yeah. gonna have words. Because yeah. I'm like, how has this escaped me? And then two years later, Facebook pops up a reminder of that post on my feed. And and right about that time, I had been seeing news about Tyler Childers selling out sixty thousand seat arenas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Whereas two years before he was a no one. And right. he's never been played on country radio stations. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think so. And, he's and never he, been on, he's mainstream. on CMT or whatever CMT is now. Exactly. Yeah. But he's he's widely being hailed as, you know, one of these faces in, in the revival of country music. And and he's reviving the hell out of it. I mean, yeah. like, dude, honestly. You take a song like Cole from Tyler Childers and you have everything that, to me, country music was supposed to be uh, wrapped into one. You've got, you know, he's talking about his community and, and it's so, it's so soulful. And yet you also, you, you catch metaphors that, in a sense, wouldn't be out of place in a hip hop song. Now let me tell you something about the gospel and make sure that you mark it down. When God spoke out, let there be light He put the first of us in the ground And we'll keep on digging Till the coming of the Lord And Gabriel's trumpet sounds They're so beautiful and, and it's so, like, there's a rawness to it You know what I mean? And I think one of the things that Tyler Childers is able to do That country music, sadly, over the last six or seven years Just completely lost Is the great story song Country music even even in the early 2000s, they were doing these hokey story songs, but they've just completely lost the plot now. Well, and, 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 and it's, it's not that they've lost the plot. They've stuck to the plot, right? They've stuck to well, this formulaic. They've stuck to the gimmick of it. Right, right. Where, meanwhile, My truck and the meanwhile, beer. Childers and, is touching you know, real subjects, you know, like we said, in Cole or even in a song like Hard Times, which is another favorite of mine. Um, but he just he gets across... That that feeling, you know, we talked about being able to empathize with somebody. It, it doesn't matter. I've seen comments on YouTube videos. There are people who who live in in Wyoming or people who live in Miami, and they're like, "Man, is that what like coal mining's like? <laughs> yeah. Is that well?" What, it's you funny because I mean? you cannot listen to this song uh, without feeling it. Right yeah. when he says God made coal for the men who sold their lives to Wes Van Leer, like yeah. right there, yeah. all of a sudden it's like goosebumps. Like holy shit! In one line. Yeah. You know, he can he can just lay out so much and it and it never stops. Yeah. It's every line and it builds and it swells and and it's just him and a guitar, which there's something magical about just a guy and a guitar. Sure, a full band, you know, good sound, whatever, but this is just a guy and his guitar in a room and you can feel his soul as he sings. Yeah. And and so there is something to be said, you know, I said there's no rock stars anymore. There is something to be said about the type of impact and effect that Tyler Childers can have. Especially, you look at country music, there's, uh, uh, what is it, Chris Stapleton and, uh, you know, a couple other people who are kind of like leading this revival on a tear up from Childers and Shaky Graves and like, you know, trying to get it back to its roots. But I think that, again, the commercial aspect of all these music genres is so insulated. I mean, you said that you heard Tyler Childers on the radio, but you heard him on NPR. You right. didn't hear him <laughs> yeah. on the mainstream country station. And they've been, you know, I hate this turn of phrase, but smelling their own farts for so long <laughs> that they're able to just keep going down this road where it gets worse and worse. And I think you want another clear-cut case of that. I want you to look at hip-hop in the 90s, and I want you to look at where hip-hop is now. 
Mm. And that's not to say that, you know, out there again, underground or on Pandora, if you go and seek it out for yourself, you can't still find amazing hip hop. You can, you absolutely can. But if all I know, if I'm an alien from Mars and I come here and I turn on my local urban station to hear some hip hop, God, it's gross. Yeah. You're hearing Molly Percocet, shake your booty, get the money. Yeah. Ferrari, 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 and, and, that, and that's that's if you can even understand it at all. <laughs> well, that's just you getting old. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's because they're mumble rapping, and that's that's the cool thing to do. It sounds good when you're on drugs in the club. I guess. I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's there's a dude. What is it? Ray Schmurder or something? Whatever that is, I'm too old for that. Too yeah, old I mean, for for uh, little busy. A uh, uh, little Uzi Vert. I'm I'm just I'm too old for it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I hope you guys enjoy it uh listening public <laughs> well it's funny because like rap back in the day there there was a point and i you know what's a sense and theory podcast episode without some talk about conspiracies but oh uh, yes back in the late 90s early 2000s i think viacom bought bet yeah right and and this was huge black owned business black television for black people um and i remember having conversations uh, with a friend of mine, like, hey, have you noticed that they're not playing as much Wu Tang yeah. on BET anymore? Have you noticed they're not playing as much Common on uh, on BET anymore? And it was never anything more than anecdotal uh, at the time. But then fast forward to 2012, and a blogger on some random blog receives an anonymous letter from an insider in the industry who says that about that time. They were invited to a meeting with all of the movers and shakers in the music industry. And the guy who led the meeting stands up on stage, introduces himself only by first name, references the non-disclosure agreement that they've all signed and says, this doesn't go outside of this room. However, yeah. a lot of us in this room have money in the private prison system. And we are also musical engineers and movers and shakers. and we would be stupid to pass up the opportunity to, to use music to fill up these prisons. So not only will we sell music and sell wow. more music, but the, the influence that it has in society will drive people into these private prisons and will profit there as well. well. And the guy goes on to say he walked out and a couple other people got mad and walked out. And this was never corroborated. This is just some, yeah. some random you know, letter that this guy wrote. Maybe he's a loon. I do feel like me personally, there was a point as, as a young kid, I mean, 2001, where I was scratching my head going like, where did all that conscious stuff go? Yeah. No, I mean, a perfect question. Where is respiration? Mm. I mean, okay, dude, respiration by Blackstar is, in my opinion, perhaps the greatest rap song of all time. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I like Shook Ones. I, you know, there's a few others. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that, and I don't feel like I have to qualify it any more than that. You listen to the, the lyrics and the wordplay. New moon rode high in the crown of the metropolis, shining like who on top of this? People was tussling, arguing and bustling. Gangsters are god thumb, hardcore hustling. You've got three three people who are titans of hip-hop. Most yeah. of them, Tlaib, Kweli, and Common. And the they imagery. Knock it 
out of the damn park, especially most deaths first. And I, you know, I say especially most deaths, but really, and then I instantly thought about. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, dude. Respiration is mind blowing, and I rem- I distinctly remember um, not being able to find that or things like it on BET or MTV like back in the day. There was a point where you would. There right. was a point where you would catch a KRS One video, but then all of a sudden, but it, it was stopped. probably at three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday or something. Yeah, you know? and, and well, and maybe you know, maybe the timing's a little off. Maybe somebody comes back. I'll admit this is anecdotal. Maybe somebody comes back and they're like, "No, here, here is clearly respiration being shown on BET." <laughs> but I'm saying there is a point. They're where, like, due to our projections, this was twenty percent lower than any of the other. Yeah. You know, there is a point rap is our where leader. that whole segment of hip hop fell out and what you know absolutely took took its place was the shiny clothes and the cars mm. and i understand that people want what people want right you know? and i understand that that can also be driven somewhat but what was interesting was you you did watch both hip-hop and rock take those wilder elements and really like get a hold of it mm. and that's what my my whole grand unifying theory about you know the the decentralization of music is about is because I saw them clamp down country, rock, hip hop. They all got shitty. Yeah. Right about the same time. And it was before I got old. old. It yeah, was also you know what I rage mean? against the machines going. Well, like, it was yeah. it was also before, you know, all the radio stations in the country were owned by a handful of, you know, that's, that's a good point. You know, really good point. Like yeah. but before, you know, every town had its radio station with its call letters and they played whatever they wanted to and hired their own local DJs. And, and as long ran, as you could afford their to own pay lo- the DJ yeah, and ran their own music, <laughs> ran their own local ads. And you know, each radio station was like an ecosystem of its own. Right. Then you have uh, what Qualcomm uh, were that? No, they were Viacom. Vi- vi- yeah. Um, um, some clear channel. Clear, clear channel. channel. That's there what I'm go. thinking of. That, yeah. A great example. Clear channel bought up just station after station after station all over the country to where like, now, you know, wherever you live, you, there's a good chance you're, all your radio stations are owned by Clear Channel or their competitors. Oh, yeah. And you, you're and, hearing and you the same thing 16 they're hearing songs. in Ohio. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and, and you drive to Ohio and the same 16 well, songs are on. Another thing I noticed is that they've consolidated the, the, the call numbers. So, like, if I listen to 107.9 here and it's the urban station and go out to California... They probably got a 107.9 that's an urban station <laughs> Interesting. and 100.1 that is a rock you know, station. I think something else that that happened in the time in the same time period that can't be, you know, completely understated is uh do you guys remember the no playlist after 9/11? Uh? You you don't remember there was a giant clear channel put out and and I don't uh, know James, how many other James Taylor was one of the songs. Well, uh, no, nah, I mean dude, this thing was huge. Yeah. But clear channel put out a giant list of songs. That could, in in some far fetched world, be reasonably argued to have a tenuous connection to the nine eleven attacks, and for something like two or three years, you couldn't play these songs. Wow! On clear, you couldn't play, for instance, Hell's Bells. You couldn't play Back in Black. What? You know what I'm saying? Because they were <laughs> they were morbid songs, and so slowly over time, 
songs came off the list, but other songs stayed on there for, you know, longer. Well, if we're talking about a band like Rage Against the Machine, mm. right? Because, you know, some of the lyrics in Rage Against the Machine songs are definitely, um, you know, you're looking at like the overthrow of government. And Super stuff like political. That. Yeah. And they were most certainly on that list. You know, they probably didn't come off there as fast as ACDC might have. You know what I mean? And so how much of an impact did that have as we launched into the new millennia, like on the music that we were listening to? Remember, I don't I don't know if, again, this is anecdotal. We're flying by the seat of our plant, pants. But at least here, our rock stations got to the point where they almost exclusively played Led Zeppelin and ACDC 24-7. Oh, yeah. Back to back. And and again, I know there are tons of fans out there that love them. <laughs> I like Lil Zep myself every now and then, you know? But but I think it's because that Clear Channel list, they were able to limit some things, and then all they could play was Led Zeppelin and ACDC. <laughs> That's all that was left. So then a lot of people were like, yeah, we'll keep playing the Led Zeppelin I really like that yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. So I think that had an impact on it. But I, I can't help but feel that music did take a not a new direction but just a more bland direction yeah i think it it was solidified into this into this pre-pressed silo and luckily at the same time that this consolidation was happening and and you know companies were buying up large swaths of radio stations the internet was growing as a yes. monolith beside yes. it so it was like this release valve yeah. Right. It was a, it was a way for all of the good stuff to still bubble up. And gosh, I mean, think about MySpace rappers. Oh, yeah. Think about MySpace rappers. We have had and SoundClick rappers. Yeah. Like people have literally made millions of dollars. And industry grew up around all that stuff I, as it came up. And you had I know. really popular rappers that were Super, like, hey, get at me. Five hundred dollars for a verse. <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously. I know. Completely outside of this silo. As so it's like it's funny. It's it's almost like you can see big business you know, watching it slip away and grabbing up everyone and, and making them super lean and profitable was like the only way they could hang on to what is inevitably slipping out of our hands. I don't think anyone questions in 30 years, our car is going to be built with, with AM FM radios. No, 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 I no, highly no, doubt yeah. it. Yeah. Highly doubt it. Maybe Actually, a, I, I, a I don't cell even, phone transponder. So I'm, I'm starting to, to wonder Pandora. about like, yeah, XM and Sirius. That's what I was getting ready to say. I don't know if any of it will be stuff that you don't necessarily pick. I mean, you know, maybe maybe the the Eminem station on XM lasts for a while, but I think I think as the kids today get older, they want that control. Like I I do not want to suffer anything that I don't personally like. And here you know I'm going to put my Swami hat on. So much like you know, we had CD skipping with technological advances of the discman. You know, some things we lost. I think kids are going to lose exposure to things they might not listen to because yeah. that's oh. one of the wonders of not choosing right as you hear your favorite song and you got to sit through six more songs till you hear your next favorite song <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And, and and maybe one of those six songs becomes your next favorite song right. so at, in our quest for for control in this fine-grained tuning of our environment and our mood you know with our soundtrack like we we actually serve to lose something. We're creating well, bubbles. In that, and, yeah. and you got to think, too, it's, it's evolved along with the media. So, you know, you're listening to the side of a record, right? You might not like this song as much as the next one, but then you got to get up, go over to the record player, lift the lift arm up, the try arm. and get it just right in that groove, you know, to where it would be the beginning of the song, but not the end of the other one, or, you know, already starting. Heck, on a and, cassette, you're trying to yeah, fast forward. Fast forward, stop and listen. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward, stop and listen. And that's, that's a real tedious process. Now it's like... You hit a button. Nope, don't like it. Nope, don't like mm. it. 
Hell, you might not even have to touch anything. You might be like, skip. Alexa, yeah. skip. Tell Siri, like, like, yeah. Down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so it just makes it easy. Just be like, meh, 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 you yeah. know? Yeah, I think I think we might stand to lose some some appreciation for well, things we might not normally put on our plate. I don't think I, I don't think we've we've lost it yet. And I think that it that makes it all the more incumbent upon us to, you know, recommend music to your friends. I mean, keep mm. talking about music. You know what I'm saying? Get out there. And I think there's actually, when I look at, I got really depressed about music for a while there. We'll call it uh, 08 to 2011. It seemed like every rock song I heard was like, you know, I call them strip club rock songs, you know, just this <laughs> gross rock song that's soulless and has no, you know, nothing to it. Sounds like every um, other one. Yeah, you just sounds heard. like every other cookie cutter songs. <laughs> But but then like you know over the course of like the last five six seven years there is that I see that move towards like a rawness and a soulfulness you know we talked about it with Childers uh, Shaky Graves there's a band out there called the Alabama Shakes mm. that's fantastic and I also wanted to talk for just a moment about one of my favorites which is Benjamin Booker and uh, you know there's a song he does called Violent Shiver and how anybody could listen to this this raw like re updating of surf rock. <laughs> and not and not just like bounce with it or not just you know smile with it and just I don't even know what the hell he's saying through like half right, the song. Half the I song, really it doesn't don't. matter. I've always been bad with lyrics, but it doesn't matter, dude. This song is so infectious and it just it just perks you up and keeps going. But I think the quality that all these songs have is that they're not overproduced. They're not uh, just beaten to death and, and all the originality and individuality drained from them. You've thrown the formula out the window and in a lot of I'm, cases. And I'm hoping that what's happening is the newer generation is latching on to that. See, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be exactly what I used to listen to. I never listened to surf rock until Benjamin Booker sure. came out. Well, and it's funny because you know? I, can, I can listen to some of these modern hip-hop groups that sound a lot like the old 90s stuff that, that have the, the banging beats like nonfiction had and the yeah. fast-paced delivery, maybe even featuring R.A., yeah. and it just doesn't have the same shine to me. You know, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's not the same. So, so, yeah, we need something new. Yeah, we need yeah. it. We need it fresh and updated. Like you said, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to look the same. Right. Right. I just want. I want the magic back. Yeah, it's that magical quality, <laughs> you know? man. That is the key. I want the puzzle piece to fit in the moment. Well, I think we've reached our moment. The uh, <laughs> the end of the album. As kind, of were. Yeah, it was kind of a mixtape. Yeah, it's kind of a mixtape. Uh, but uh, I guess we have to do this. Uh, Benzo, do you have any corrections or anything today? Well, Theory, you admitted you listened to Corn since. You admitted you listened to Crisscross, so I think my job here is pretty much done. Yeah, uh, fellas, back to you. Wow. <laughs> you are you are such an asshole, man. Well, uh, there you have it, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Uh, oh, actually, wow, we, we just did an entire episode about music. And you didn't say a word about Taylor Swift. Uh, it wasn't an episode about great philosophers.
is world-class producer and fact-checker extraordinaire Beanzo of the Sense and Theory Podcast. I want to thank you all for suffering through each show to hear the righteous takedowns I drop on the fellas. Please go like and review us on iTunes. It'll mean a lot to the guys, but more importantly, it'll help keep your old buddy Beanzo on the air. There's links to all our social media in the description, and feel free and tell the fellas how wrong they were at Sense and Theory Podcast at gmail.com. Tune in next week to hear Sense and Theory get all up in they feels when I burn all their hard work down again. Beanzo out.